You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. Eddie, what are you doing? I just, uh, I just had a big old string come out of my boxers. <laughs> it's Wes. But I do think about Pop-Tarts a lot. And Walker. Is it true? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do, I do, I do. Ooh. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. This is why we're the best new show. That's a promo. surrounding areas. This is the Western Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ on a football Monday. We got a double header today. I was just saying during the break, how good does it feel to know once 430 hits, you get two more football games, double the drama, double the storylines once again. Keep the text coming, 704-570-9610 on a text line. Hit us up on social media. Follow WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram at Westbrian underscore 72, at Walker Mail, at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram. And most importantly, the Wesson Walker page on Twitter. Hit that follow button. You get all the behind the scenes stuff, all the shenanigans, all the stuff that sometimes you hear on the radio that you wish that you could see. You get it right there. But now it is time for you to hear the campus coda. All right, ACC basketball this weekend. Teams continue to make their mark, continue to separate themselves, starting with the North Carolina Tar Heels as they came out and made a massive statement to let the conference know that they are not to be messed with, and they beat the brakes off of Syracuse, 103-67. to The Heels were about that action from the tip. They improved to 7-0 at home. 34 and 5 at home under Hubert Davis. They've won six in a row. They're 5 and 0 in the ACC for the first time since 2015-2016. RJ Davis had 22 points, his 10th 20-point game of the season. Carolina 7 and 3 this season and 17 and 5 overall when he scores 20 or more. And Orlando Baker, I mean, I'm sorry, Armando. <laughs> my bad. Armando. Uh, That's your Orlando. Uh, I just say that, man, when I watch you know, uh, I watched the condensed game of this contest. I mean, you know, just the just the lack of post. Sixteen just, points in seventeen minutes. I mean, he, do it for he you. had one play. He spun off a guy, and I'm like, dunk that, Armand. I'm like, his game is just so bland. It's effective, but bland. But you know, I'm just playfully saying Orlando Baycott. But he had sixteen and eleven. His eighth double double of the season. Harrison Ingram, also your boy Walker. I got to give you credit, man. You were right about him. He's been an integral part of this team. 11 points and 10 boards. They were plus 23 on the rebounding margin, and they've held six straight opponents under 70 points. The Carolina let the rest of the ACC know they are the team to be reckoned they're, with they're right better now. Than I, they're, my bad. They're better than I thought they were. I really thought this was going to be a very fun North Carolina basketball team that was going to comfortably get in the NCAA tournament and not be anything less than like a five seed. There's still a lot of college basketball left to be played. You have a whole half to go, and there's going to be important games that they're going to play as well but right now North Carolina looks like one of the best teams in the country we saw early on this season even with a few transfers that they still have to try to get familiar with right Harrison Ingram Cormac Ryan Seth Trimble Withers all getting real minutes and so it might take a while normal North Carolina basketball they always play better at the end of the year than they do at the beginning of the season at least that's what we are accustomed to having watched them in the Roy Williams era I expect that to be true here 
here in the third season now that we're watching Hubert Davis coach this basketball team. But here's what's interesting to me. I think when you watch Harrison Ingram, when you watch Trimble play the level of defense that he does, and I even think there's somewhat of Cormac Ryan that deserves to be in this conversation, they're never going to let them play without effort. That's never going to be a problem. If they're not hitting shots, which Ingram, that's the one thing I did worry about, too. I think his shot is going to come and go. He's not a phenomenal shooter. He can, but he's not a phenomenal shooter. Trimble has really stepped up on on that end. He was one of two from distance. I just think defensively and in all of the effort plays you're supposed to see, those are the two leaders in, oh, we don't really have it. We got it. We got it every single game. And that is leaps and bounds ahead of where you were. Even the last two seasons, that's always going to give them a floor to where you know they're going to show up. They might lose because they're not as good as UConn. They might lose because they don't execute down the uh, the stretch nearly as much as Kentucky. But, Wes, it's a team that I think is so well put together where the pieces just just didn't quite fit the last couple of seasons. I think they fit perfectly now. Fiddy, what did you think about your Tar Heels handling business and the manner in which they did? I mean, that's what championship caliber teams do. You run an inferior opponent off your home court, which Syracuse is. They've been blown out away from home now three times in the ACC. They continue to separate themselves as the best team in the conference. And after a week where... Only them and UConn were the only top 10 teams to not get beaten. They further put themselves in the conversation of teams with with a legitimate shot to win a national championship. The rankings come out when? We should get it momentarily. I was about to say, yeah, we could keep an eye on it. But where do we think they end up? Third. Yeah, I was thinking they got to be top three after all of the chaos that took place in college basketball this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I got to give them that credit. They came out and breathed fast, cues. They just really put a beat down on them to score 103 points, especially the way they're playing defensively, man. They look unstoppable uh, right now. So moving on elsewhere in the ACC, you mentioned that Walker, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, bounced back after the disappointing loss to the Florida State Seminoles on the road. Hammer Virginia at home against a Tony Bennett team and that defense. They shoot 50% from the field, 47% from three. Hunter Salas gets back on track, 8 of 13 from the field. He went 5 of 8 from 3 for 21 points. Boopy Miller had 14 points and 7 dimes. It's the first win over the Cavaliers since 2013 in January was the last time that they beat them. They're now 4-1 and in ACC play for the first time since I was in school getting kicked out of basketball games 2004-2005. <laughs> since the start of ACC play, Wake is averaging 80 points a game. They held Virginia to 47 points. The first time in the Forbes era, the Deeks held an opponent to under 50 points and the fewest since 2020. Then in league play, Wake leads the ACC in points per game at 84 and a half points. And my man, I told you that Coach Forbes said was the best shooter that he ever signed. Knocked down a three-pointer for the ninth consecutive game. Parker Fredrickson, he's shooting 54% from three over the last eight games. What do you think about the that's good. performance? Uh, that, that's a pretty good three-point percentage. Pretty if good, you're man. Hitting he 54. can that thing. He's starting to get to the point that as soon as he catches it and he gets a look, I'm like, that's cash money. I don't want to take away credit from Wake Forest. They so that means you're about to. No, no, no. I'm really not. I'm really not. I promise. <laughs> Wake Forest is. I, I like Wake Forest. You know I really like Steve Forbes. The offense is fun. Uh, we all called them winning this game, even though it is impressive to get a win in Charlottesville. But No, I was at home. I'm sorry. Yes, it was. It was at home. I'm I'm on Virginia's page. So it was in Winston-Salem. But you can give me credit for Harrison Ingram, and you can discredit me for thinking Virginia was going to be good. 
How about yeah. four of their last six games? They're getting beat down. Wes, these losses are terrible, too. Mm-hmm. 77 to 54 against Memphis. 76 to 54 against Notre Dame. 76 to 60 against NC State. 66 to 47 against Wake Forest. They can't score, and they can't keep it close enough with their defense. I was way wrong on Virginia. I thought they were going to be good. I thought they were going to bounce back this season. And now I. They're not even middle of the road, Wes. They're bad. They're a bad basketball team, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty surprised about just how bad they are. Even when they have bad seasons, they don't get this far down in the standings of the ACC. But, Wes, they're not even close to some of these other squads in the conference. Yeah, and so uh, Wake will now play NC State on a big game on Tuesday night. What we got, Fitty? I was just going to add uh, for context, Walker, you're asking when we get the new AP poll. We got it literally as we finished. Wow. Carolina up to four, Duke up to number seven, the only two ACC teams ranked inside the AP Top 25. Appropriate. I don't have any problem with it. Yeah, I, I think Carolina being four, that's fine with me. Yeah, I think Syracuse, those or not Syracuse, Wake would have been ranked had they not lost to Florida State, but, yep. you know, Steve Forbes. There he goes. Floor's right? yours, Wes. Go ahead. <laughs> it's all good. I'm not going to let that. I'm not going to stoop to that level because I'd have to go pretty far down anyway, about a foot and a half. So uh, moving on to NC State and Louisville, uh, the Wolfpack shoot 54% from the field and shoot 50 cent, 50% from three as well. DJ Horn had his coming out party for NC State, 27 points he had on the afternoon, and the Pack get the job done uh, with the win at 12-4, and 4-1 and in the ACC. They've won all three of his conference road games. It's the first time since the 2001-2002 season that NC State has won its first three road games of the ACC slate. They got 13 points from Casey Marcel and DJ Burns. Mike O'Connell added 11 points and a game-high six assists. Uh, This was the topsy-turvy game that looked like NC State was in control of it. But Louisville uh, made a push at the end of this game where you thought, man, could NC State have one of the more epic meltdowns that we've seen? But they did enough to get the job done. What do you think uh, about the pack and what they showed on Saturday? Yeah, they held on enough, right, against a Louisville team that we didn't even mention this, but Miami losing to Louisville. Yes, on the road. First road win ever for Louisville under Kenny Payne. Yeah, at home. Mm. How many games, how many victories is it going to take for Coach Larinaga and company to get over that one? Yeah. Because it's, I mean, as far as a two-year sample size goes for a squad we're used to seeing atop the ACC standings, it's as bad of a basketball team as I've seen in that neighborhood. And they beat Miami, who we're supposed to consider atop. No, we can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. You got to win 10 in a row. I'm sorry. You have to win 10 in a row to get over that win or over that loss, I should say. And NC State, they about messed around and pulled a Miami the very next game against Louisville. But they're able to, you know, churn that victory out. Yeah, I think NC State, it's they're going to be a bubble team. Well, I was going to ask you, what does it say about the ACC that states 12 and four? You said they're three and on the road in Conference West. They're four and one in the league. And we don't know if they're a tournament team. They're yeah. going to be a bubble team. They're going to be right there at the end. And I'm not sure that they're going to get in. And this is familiar territory for Kevin Keats. And it's it's Kevin Keats is starting to get a little Seth Greenberg now. 
Like, well, he, but he's made a couple tournaments. No, know, Greenberg never made a tournament. That, that's true, but I, I guess he's he's a little Greenberg-y in the sense that he's always going to have a camera on him once we get to April, or I'm sorry, once we get to March, and we're trying to figure out if they're going to be happy or uh, or pretty sad about them not getting in the big dance. Yeah, it's going to happen again because I expect them to be right on that line of whether they get in or not. Yeah, and so uh, when you look at the rest of the weekend, and, and you talk about NC State, man, it's like every team in the conference, I feel like it just seems that way every year. We've seen it all across the country with a lot of the top-ranked teams, whether you talk about Kansas or a plethora of other Purdue, some of those teams, they've lost to lesser squads. And so in the ACC, you've seen it already with Duke losing to Georgia Tech once, but they got their get back on Saturday. It was John Shire's 400th win at Duke, if you count him being a player, an assistant, and now the head coach, they committed a season low four turnovers. Kyle Filipowski had a monster game, 30 points and 13 boards. Tyrese Proctor had 17 points, 11 uh, in the second half. And Duke got their win on Georgia Tech, uh, getting their get back from early yeah, that was close. in the season. Yeah, I mean, Georgia Tech came out and they were not scared. They were not afraid of the camera lights. People were getting dunked on. Bodies were getting <laughs> caught. Lobs were getting thrown. Georgia Tech was ready to go. But I thought Duke showed some resolve. Uh, and getting a nice win against a pesky Georgia Tech team. Reminded me of the Jeremy Smith days. You like that? About the Ishmael <laughs> Muhammad days? Yeah. Mario West when mm-hmm. Georgia Tech had the best dunkers, not in the ACC, but in the country in the early 2000s. Yeah, Georgia Tech, they gave Duke all they could handle until at the very end. Yeah. Here's what I want to ask you, though, going back to NC State, Wake Forest, that game taking place tomorrow at mm-hmm. 7 p.m. What's better for the ACC? Is it better for Wake to win that game, to continue to climb up and be a good basketball team, or is it NC State to try to stay out of that whole bubble scenario as much as possible? Um, I mean, obviously I'm going to go with the D because I think they're the more fun team, and I think you don't want to see this team go to waste with mediocre play. I think uh, Wake has so many guys that can score the basket, and they're the more fun basketball team to watch, so that's going to be uh, my vote. Yeah, at Fiddy, what's better for the ACC, and is there a big swing either way? Like, how much does the Wake Forest-NC State game tomorrow matter for the conference and, you know, what you think of it, trying to compare them to the other conferences in college basketball? Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't know how much it means. I, I think it's better for the league if State's better just because their fan base is more passionate. But I think Wake Forest is the better basketball team, and you want yeah. you want to have as many good teams with a chance to make the tournament. And so I'd like to see Wake Forest and them emerge because this could be a loss that doesn't keep them out of the tournament. But if they don't beat a Duke, they don't beat a Carolina, and that Miami win maybe doesn't improve to, for where it is, they could be sweating out on Selection Sunday. So let's just go ahead and take care of Kevin Keats tomorrow. Okay, Wes? Well, I mean, Wake is going to beat uh, both of those guys this year, Duke and uh, Carolina. So Ooh. I'm not too worried about it. All right. So anyway. It's going to be a once uh, As we close out the corner, <laughs> uh, Charlotte just came up short to Texas San Antonio, 81-80 to on the road. Uh, Clemson got back on the winning track, beating Boston College, 89-78. to And for you Miami Hurricanes heads out there, they got a big get in the transfer portal. Uh, Washington State quarterback Cam Ward once thought to be going to the NFL is headed to South Beach to help quarterback the Kane. Wait, hold on. Did you say Charlotte lost? Is that yes. what you said? And Charlotte won. They beat Texas San Antonio 66-58. to 58. Well, my stat maybe, oh, maybe, did the girls play Texas San Antonio? I'm not sure. Because what I'm looking at right now is 
uh, that Texas San Antonio beat them 81-8. But this is the girls, so I'm sorry. I stand corrected. I was corrected. about to say, I, yes, yeah, I, stand I was correct. checking it this weekend. My bad. I didn't Don't know the girls played Texas San Antonio, too. My bad. So, yeah, so congrats. Salute to them and uh, the Charlotte women, you know. Keep Aaron on Fern. fighting, man. No, it's good. Aaron Fern. Man, yeah. He's starting to feel the this fern. Team. I, I got I think I like it. I like that. Burning. Between two ferns. Feeling the firm. I think I'm I'm rolling with it. We got to think of something. <laughs> That's what's up, man. Salute to the 49ers. When we come back, did this weekend prove that Carolina needs to hire an offensive mind on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ? McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. From a place of ignorance on this, I apologize if this comes off as ignorant. I will ask you, though, Wes, is he a one-beat wonder with this, Drew the Damager? Like, at least in the mainstream, or are there other beats? Yeah, that in the mainstream, consider? for sure. But okay. as far as just in his, at the height of his powers in the 90s, Drew, he was well-respected. Right. And he had some joints, because you're playing yourself was pretty dumb. That's a beat that gets played. A lot, too, but not as much as this. All right. I will take any shame that I need if I did not know this. Nah, because this is what happens. Young buck. Well, this is right. This is what happens. I'll know about it. But because I didn't live at the time, despite me knowing the content, I also don't know the reception of it. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when I know about just how hot it was, the popularity, whatever, there are a lot of times where things will slip through the crack. <laughs> <laughs> Fiddy is Fiddy got me. He's sitting over there shaking his head, acting like, man, Walker, it's a damn shame you don't know about Drew the damn shit. <laughs> I, I love it. Fiddy's over there twerking, coming in. He's like, okay, the, the fact that you don't know about Drew makes you a fool. I mean, you don't know about you can't stop the profit 99.9%. Like, come on, man. I don't, Fiddy. You're going to have to teach me. Thank you. I did not know about Don't get that. it twisted, folks. He's probably uh, reading off of a list somewhere. No, I don't know about that stuff, but Fiddy. We can ask you more questions. We can have music class with one Josh Fitty Marlowe. Let's go to the text line. People are asking about C.J. Stroud, 704-570-9610. Here's Martin writing in, Wes. Mm-hmm. On Bryce and C.J., if they had Twitter in 1984, people would have been saying the Broncos blew it drafting John Elway over Dan Marino. I'm not saying Bryce will be better than C.J., but how about we let it play it out? There's another text coming in from 404 down in Georgia. Here's some Panthers talk. Bryce would be better if he had the same offensive plan that C.J. Stroud has had. You've shaken your head a little bit on this. You don't love where this conversation is going. Wes, tell the people why. I don't because I just think that people love to when guys start to to blow up. It's always hindsight as if the Texans were this ready-made team waiting for C.J. Stroud to come there and be the missing piece. Nobody thought that the Texans was going to be in this space. Nobody preseason thought Nico Collins was going to have the year that he had. The guy was a fifth-round pick. 
Okay, then you talk about Tank Dale was a third rounder. And then this offensive line had to get shuffled all season long with injuries, including to Laramie Tunsil. So we need to stop acting like the Texans were a ready-made contender and C.J. Stroud just got dropped in there. He elevated the talent around him. You never heard of Nico Collins like that before C.J. Stroud got there. He elevated the talent around him. And now it looks like a well-oiled machine, but you didn't think that when he got there. And so that's my only thing about CJ is that all these people saying, well, obviously, yeah, Bryce doesn't have necessarily the talent on paper to be able to uh, go out and do the things that people think that he should do. But let's not act like in the same breath that CJ Stroud is a guy that just got dropped into the middle of a team that either was on the cusp of the playoffs or that made the playoffs before he got there. All of this was a surprise to everyone. But what I will say, Queen City and anywhere else that you can hear my voice, is that uh, I still believe in Bryce. I still believe that uh, he can be a really good player. But I am in the camp now where I just don't think that he's going to end up on the level of a C.J. Stroud. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just as far as the historic rookie season that he's had, uh, everything about him. And it's not just the on-field play and the numbers. It's the leadership. Like C.J. Stroud, from the moment he got here, it felt like he belonged. He told you as much from the press conferences, the things that he said when he beat Pittsburgh, and he told him, no, this is our stadium. Like he was talking like a 10-year vet. This is our stadium. We're going to run you up out of here, okay? The leadership from his teammates. You see the camaraderie with those guys. They believe in C.J. Stroud. That has taken them to another level, and he stepped in there. And, and I told somebody the other day, I said, C.J. Stroud, is he stepped in and been the prototypical big college quarterback. What do I mean by that is that he's come in, all of his big game experience, all of the pressure of being a quarterback for the Buckeyes, everything that he did has translated over to the NFL. That game did not seem too big for him, and everything that C.J. Stroud did, plus the person that he is, the leader he is, the belief system that he has, has led him to be the superstar that he is. Some of that is missing with Bryce Young. I still think Bryce Young is going to be a really good player. I just don't know that he's going to be as great as what it looks like the future of C.J. Stroud looks like. Yeah, if we did a top 10 ranking like we do every single week throughout the Panthers season and Carolina was playing Houston now, even me, the guy that has been accused of disrespecting some of these QBs, C.J. Stroud would easily be number one. That's how much you have to think about what he's done. C.J. Stroud is... And I'm sorry, uh, Collins, not the end of right. He's a third rounder, my bad. C.J. Stroud is fantastic, okay? Like, for me, I, I agree with you in that if you want to have this conversation from a place of good faith, then we shouldn't be stripping C.J. Stroud of any credit. Because what he you can't do, even with a great scheme like Bobby Slowick has brought to Houston, even with what turned out to be very good weapons, such as Tank Dell and Nico Collins developing on the outside, being the deep threat Dalton and breaking Schultz. a million tackles, and Dalton Schultz has shown up time and time, you know, it, it doesn't strip the credit that is deserved of C.J. Stroud where it shouldn't. But the, the disconnect that I think we have at least a little bit, even if we didn't think that those guys were going to be good at the beginning of the season, that's mm -hmm. true. That's 100% true. But we were wrong. Those guys are good. Tank Dell and Wes, you weren't even wrong, to be honest with you. <laughs> Not on Tank. You were as big an advocate of Tank Dell as anybody in my life and I was with you I liked him but mm -hmm. you were the one at the forefront of the Tank Dell parade and you were right to lead that parade Nico Collins 
you have to also put in perspective, yeah, we didn't see him being this good of a wide receiver. Also, what that means is it hasn't worked out with two different head coaches, whether it be David Coley, whether it be Lovey Smith, mm-hmm. the quarterbacks that were there, I, Davis Mills, whoever was throwing him the football. He wasn't great. And also he had some injuries. He played 24 games in the first two seasons seasons of his career. He played, I think, 16 in the regular season, uh, 15. And now you're seeing him play in the postseason. I, I just think you do have, it's true. People aren't lying when they say, there are better pieces that C.J. Stroud is working with. Both wide receivers, Tank Dell, Nico Collins, they're better than any wide receiver than the Carolina Panthers have. Yes. And that's true of Adam Thielen. I, Adam Thielen has been good. Tank Dell, I'll take all day. Nico Collins, I'll take all day. Dalton Schultz was better than Hayden Hurst. Bobby Slowick was better than Frank Reich, Thomas Brown. Laramie Tunsil was better than Nikki Aquanu. That's all true, even if we didn't see it coming. Because we can be wrong, and football's really hard to evaluate. So to me... I land where I think a lot of people are on the text line. We can agree that you got to be tripping a little bit to say that Bryce Young is going to end up as good as CJ Stroud at this point. There is, there's, there's nothing to suggest that he is going to do that unless you just flat out believe everything you did pre first season in the NFL and think the Alabama Bryce will show up and you just disregard everything that happened this last season. I don't think he's going to be as good as CJ anymore. I don't think that's going to be the case. But what can happen is CJ can be special and Bryce Young can still be a quarterback that you win a lot of football games with and be a pro bowler that you possibly get um, into the Super Bowl with or make deep playoff runs. Yeah, and so I see HJ on the text line. He says, Wes, so you're saying Stroud elevated the talent around him. I am. And he hasn't benefited from the offensive scheme. I mean, yeah, he has, but... He says, when I watch the Texans play, I'm seeing seeing receivers run open, and I see offensive linemen that actually block. Not saying he isn't balling, but he's benefited from the play around him and scheme. He says, you can give Stroud credit and admit he was playing in a much better situation. And I'm arguing, no, he's not. People feel like that now. But coming into this season, the Texans were looked at as radioactive. But Nobody this is, this thought is this the was disconnect, be though. A, a good a good team and they thought this was a franchise that was on the downturn. But but you're you're not disagreeing. Like it's clearly a better situation. Even if we didn't think it at the beginning, it means we were it's wrong. It's better now, but I think he's had a big part in making it that way. Well, that's that's true, but everything was better than what Bryce had. Cuz I because because I think too that when you see a guy come in and do everything he was doing in college, like CJ Stroud is just like that, and I, and the offensive coordinator he definitely deserves his credit for putting him in the right because it almost strips D'Amico. it almost strips some of these other guys saying CJ Stroud is making what everybody else is doing. If you're saying nope, CJ Stroud is uplifting everyone else. Well, I mean, you can call it what you like, but at the end of the day, Bill Belichick's forty-four percent winning percentage without TB twelve. So you know they they could do whatever they want if if they have Case Keenum back there quarterback we're not talking about the Houston Texans at all these guys are not going to be head coaching candidates at all these guys have played a part in it and when you split the pie up of Houston Texans success there's a little bit to go around but there's no doubt about it the straw that stirs this drink is number 7 so, he came in and and has been everything that people thought he could potentially be coming out of Ohio State and we saw everything he's doing now at Ohio State. But this is, this is I think, like it doesn't seem like if we have these predict- predictions going into every season, mm-hmm. we we can't just take that as gospel, right? Like they're predictions because they're uncertain for a reason. Just because we predict it doesn't mean that we were right on it. Like we predicted that the Houston Texans were going to be an awful team this year. Mm-hmm. 
but we weren't right. And C.J. Stroud is a monster reason for it. This is why I think both things can coexist. Mm -hmm. C.J. Stroud is a huge reason for it. But, man, it almost takes away your correctness in Tank Dell. Because Tank Dell, you said, was that dude. Mm -hmm. And Tank Dell proved that he was that dude creating separation. We, We can also watch the games, look at advanced metrics, look at totals, and say Tank Dell got open. Nico Collins, if we look at what he did once he had the football in his hands, like CJ does a great job of delivering an accurate pass to Nico Collins. Mm-hmm. But then he's out here stiff arming dudes and outrunning guys because of the athleticism that he possesses. And that's when CJ Stroud's throw ends. And then we got to give credit to Nico, right? Like some of this stuff is because they have a good quarterback where also other pieces can hold them down. So even if we didn't predict it, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that it's not true here. And I think that's why we can go ahead and say it still is a better situation, even if we didn't call it. I I, I mean, I, I can get what you're saying. I guess I just look at C.J. Stroud as a force multiplier, a turn that they like to put on a lot of people. You look at a guy like Nico Collins, to that point, he hadn't even crossed the 500-yard threshold. But I know, but that's because he's being held out like you, Case Keenum and Davis True. Mills is starting. David Coley, Levy Smith, yeah. defensive and special but teams guys. But he's finally got a real dude back there throwing the football that looks to be the next yes. superstar of the league, not just a good young quarterback that's on the come up. Like, C.J. Stroud looks to be one of the next superstars of the NFL, and that's the difference. We know that what was his M.O. coming into the draft? An accuracy specialist. I forgot what did he That's call true. himself. Um, I forget. Accuracy right. something. But was you, God in there? Something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> was but King so I'm just there? saying, you put a kid in there that yeah. This, so it, it was all a perfect marriage. You talk about Bobby Sloat coming in with the schemes that he's got, and he's that. gonna be able to scheme some guys open. But now you got a real deal quarterback that can throw in tight windows, throw with accuracy, doesn't turn the football over. And again, I just point to the rash of injuries they had on the offensive line. I, I was trying feverishly to look up uh, combinations of linemen that they had starting for them this year. And they had backups and guys that were not, you know, pedigree players coming in there in that offensive line, and they made it work. So the, the one thing, too, like Nico Collins played 10 games last season. If he plays 15 games like he did this year, we are looking at him on pace for what, 800 yards? Uh, with Davis yeah, he Mills? Was, yeah, he was 48 yards a game. So you, you think about the seven more games he would have played at 50. That would have been another 300 plus. So he'd have gotten close. He would have gotten 900. Eight, eight, yeah, he'd have gotten over 800. Like that's which in 17 games. That's eh. no, you're right. Yeah. But like, but with Davis Mills, like yep. okay, like we can, you know, we can give him credit for that. You know, when Nico played 14 as a rookie. Tank didn't play at all because he is a rookie. Dalton Schultz was good. In yeah. fact, he was better in Dallas yeah. than he was in Houston. That's true. Dalton Schultz was better in Dallas than he was, but nobody's going to be crazy and say that C.J. Stroud held Dalton Schultz back. Yeah, he, and he was the guy Schultz. that when he was called upon, he makes the plays. Yeah, yeah, but he was better in Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. But like nobody with a logical mind would tell you that C.J. Stroud held Dalton Schultz back. And mm-hmm. that's my point. Because you have more weapons and you have a QB, I just the situation's great. Fiddy, I know you had some thoughts on the situation. I just did not have on my bingo card for today show that we would all come in and maybe admit that CJ is going to probably have a better career than Bryce. But I don't think Wes is wrong, man. Like you, you, you talked about a dude that set the record as a rookie for best uh, TD to interception ratio while leading the NFL in passing yards. Looked at what he did on Saturday, a 157.2 passer rating. As a rookie at home in his first playoff game, he was everything to the Houston Texans organization. 
what the Panthers drafted Bryce Young to be. He went into a toxic environment and stabilized an organization and brought winning football to a franchise that hasn't won in three to five years. Kind of like this Panthers franchise hasn't won since 2017 with Cam Newton. I, I, I still think Bryce is going to be a really good quarterback. I think he can be a top 12 quarterback, you know, throughout his time in the NFL. The more I watch CJ Stroud, the more that you evaluate him, that guy is elite and he has elite traits. And I think if we go back to the draft process, if you watch this playoff game against Georgia and we would have been told that's him at the NFL, you draft that guy over Bryce Young. Yeah, and it was ball placement specialist. That was what that's what it was. Himself that's what on I, a text line. I was uh, like, oh, you going with uh, CJ Stroud? Is shout not out the type to Antoine on the text line. He Thank you, that. Antoine the mailman. That, that CJ Stroud is not the kind of guy I think that would call himself a god. I don't think right. that's what CJ yeah. Stroud would do based off what we hear in postseason press conference or post game press conferences. Yeah, I, I, this is because Fitty said I agree with Wes, and then you start talking about how special he is. Yeah, no, he's special. Like that, I think what's happening here is that we're trying to split this thing. Remember, only the Sith believe in absolutes, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you like that Star Wars <laughs> reference. I looked right at you when I said that. <laughs> but it feels like we're trying to divide this. Any when you say C.J. Stroud is crazy special, and we're stripping what everything else is in that organization, I think we're doing. If you're a C.J. Stroud fan, the very same thing that the other side is trying to do. And that's you you perceive it as people stripping what CJ Stroud means when in reality, all of this stuff is true. Like CJ Stroud looks crazy good and is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now and is ready to go against what had been a good Cleveland team. But also when people say it is, as we know it right now a better situation than Carolina. I, how in the world can you deny that? But it's a better situation because of CJ. Like, and, like, and because, others. Because I think if I think if Bryce Young is there, and, and maybe maybe you disagree, I think if Bryce Young is there, they don't win the division, they don't win a home playoff game, but that's and true. he doesn't stabilize a toxic and organization. And I was against the number one defense in the NFL. The second half of the season, those numbers went to 14 because they were so based on turnovers. Yeah. But he destroyed them, right? Like, if C.J. Stroud is here in Carolina, do we think that he has that type of season? With Adam Thielen, I don't know. Like oh, you don't, oh, oh, with Frank Reich? Yeah, because I think Frank Reich wanted to coach C.J. Stroud. Oh, but this goes into your Reich was sabotaging Bryce Young thing. Well, also, like, you just, <laughs> I mean, you look at the way, you know, we, we go back to his pro day. Remember when they were doing, like, the, you know, the tour bus and everyone was going around? The way that Frank Reich and Josh McCown looked at C.J. Stroud it was different than I looked at Bryce. And I know it's stupid, but in this industry, yeah. that's what we do. That's the guy they wanted to coach. But we also were fooled when Marty Herney looked that exact way at Andre Dillard in Washington State mm-hmm. when it was the Brian Burns draft. And we're like, oh, the way he's looking at Andre. He wants his left tackle. He's going to roll with him. And then it was Brian Burns, the selection. Sometimes a happy face will fool you, Fitty. Remember that. Well, one thing I was going to say, too, you know, to close this thing out is that, you know, C.J. Stroud, I believe when you talk about Bobby Slowick and and how great he's been, we can also point to the fact that I think he is confident making those calls and confident instituting the game plans that he's got going because of C.J. Stroud and what he knows he can do. Yeah, no, that's 100%. I agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah, Bobby, he ain't coaching scared because he he knows he does have a special QB. We can move on. More NFL playoff recap, maybe a little Monday preview here with two games after Bill's 
and Steelers was moved to Monday. The live wire also coming at the top of the 2 o'clock hour. And maybe we'll talk a little 49ers for Wes's sake. It's all still to come here on Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. was right after asking a risky question and I realized I got two things wrong. Number one, here I am saying, this is just like a young buck here, Wes. I said Jeru the damager, but actually it's j Some people do say Jeru because most of the time when I pronounce his name I say Jeru, but, but it is j I do remember getting called on that one time though, mm-hmm. referencing it. I'm like, oh yeah, it is j And so, yeah. yeah. Alright, so now we will uh, call him. It's going to be a j show today. After bringing him up, <laughs> We're going to play nothing but J. Rue beats. And now also <laughs> what I got wrong was it's actually what I said. One hit wonder beat. Yes, he was a producer, but also both of the songs that we played, they're primo beats, which I knew because anytime that I get on my Pandora or back in the day, now Spotify or Apple Music playlist, and they give you something that the algorithm finds specifically for you. Lots of premiere beats on there. Yeah. And, of course, J. Rue the Damager shows up. So I apologize for calling him Jeru. And I apologize for stripping DJ Premier of some credit that he deserves on both of those songs that he produced. All right. But we are a J. Rue show today on Wesson <laughs> Walker Sports Radio. I'm sure he will appreciate that somewhere. 92.7 WFNZ. You want to do an NFL playoff preview? Let's talk about it. On top of our recap, we got a couple of games tonight here, Wes. One, uh, not so much tonight, actually going to be taking place this afternoon. 4.30 kickoff. Damn Buffalo thanks. hosting Pittsburgh. Buffalo the favorite, but you think this is going to be a tight game between the Steelers yeah, and the Yeah, because, Bills. I mean, the Bills are known for choking. Sorry, Buffalo fans, but all disrespect was intended. Uh, we know that this uh, that this team chokes, and Josh Allen turns the ball over more than Pepperidge Farms uh, in the grocery store in the freezer aisle, okay? I love apple turnovers, by the way. What about McDonald's? McDonald's yeah, has those, those apple too, turnovers. Those, <laughs> too, uh, but uh, I call those apple pies. Gotcha. Turnovers they, are more than a little triangle they pastry. They kind of are oh, they're so good. Sorry. But, uh... Either way it goes, with this weather today, I mean, that's going to make this game fascinating. I don't have a ton of faith in the Steelers, but the Steelers are one of those teams that got life at the end of the year. They're kind of hot, just a little bit. So I think this is a dangerous game for Buffalo and with the elements that this game is going to be played in. I mean, Buffalo's a 10-point favorite as it goes right now, according to ESPN. But uh, I think this is going to be a good one. Um, I'm, I think uh, I'm 0-4, mind you. I'm going to so. go Buffalo, though. Yeah, I, I am 0-4. I'm going to go Buffalo here as well. And this is the one that I felt the best about. I thought this one was going to be the least entertaining football game. But I do know Pittsburgh can run the football well. Wes, I just think I can't get over the uh, level of doubt that I have for Mason Rudolph. 
I know Mason Rudolph is 3-1 and one now in games that he's appeared in for Pittsburgh. And I don't think he was a part of the winning there against Baltimore. He wasn't great. I mean, he threw, I guess he was 18 of 20, um, which is nice, but he only threw for 150 yards, so got sacked a few times. I just don't know if I can trust Mason Rudolph, and then you add the elements of a snow game. It's going to be each Harris and Samuels going for like 25 carries a pop. It's got to be. That's the only way you win. And Josh Allen's going to have to turn over that thing about three times. And the only thing I think of, too, you know, when you get into the playoffs, these pedigree franchises, we saw it yesterday with the Green Bay Packers. Even though the players change, the mantra, the philosophy of these programs stay the same. You know when the Steelers step up, they're not worried about going on the road. They're not worried about what the situation's going to be because it's the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they are a very pedigree franchise. We saw it with Green Bay yesterday. You see it with the San Francisco's and some of those teams. The, the, the organizations that are used to being there and doing it, they show up that way in the playoffs, and so that's why I think the Steelers will be feisty in this game. Walker, doesn't the fact that it's going to be cold and snowy, shouldn't you put more trust and faith in Rudolph because this is his time of the year to shine? He doesn't have a red nose, though. He It's going to be red because it's going to be so cold. Good point. Good point there. But boom, boom. Fitty misses a lot. He hit right there. He did. I really like that joke. Yeah. There's actually a connection that isn't so obvious at mm-hmm. the forefront. I really like that joke. I also like 704 writing in, Walker, glad you decided to come clean with that admission on J-Row. Oh, the damage. I see what he did there. Very nice work out of that texture. Yeah, so I think Buffalo ends up winning. Josh Allen, we know, can turn that ball over. Pittsburgh's offense is not fantastic. You can't trust their QB, but perhaps it's going to be a closer game than we originally thought. Now we get to the one that's really interesting, Mm -hmm. where we thought Philadelphia just might be the best team in the NFC for quite some time, but San Francisco started to put that notion to bed. Okay, so that's true. San Francisco easily the best NFC team in the conference right now. Philadelphia's free-falling. Now I really don't know who's going to win after the Eagles continue to lose game after game after game. And their defense might be the worst in the NFL the last five weeks. No A.J. Brown. No Jalen Hurts Brown. hasn't thrown the football all week long. Are you going Tampa Bay here, Wes? Yes, I am. Tonight is the night, Philadelphia fans. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, tried to tell you when you were 10-1. and one, Tried to tell anybody that was listening that this was a flawed football team. They got issues going on. A.J. Brown tried to organize a players-only meeting and scrub this page of all Philadelphia Eagles stuff. He's out at boxing matches and things of that nature. Philadelphia Eagles got a lot going on right now. Sirianni's job could possibly uh, be at stake. Things couldn't look worse uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles and I'm sorry, but tonight uh, it comes to an end. I just I mean I think Tampa's going to win because Philly's so broken, but I can't even enjoy it. This is what sucks when your team loses in the playoffs in embarrassing fashion. (laughs) Is you can enjoy other teams also losing in embarrassing fashion. Like the Eagles tonight, the 49ers this this Saturday night. So, as long as he gets Sirianni fired and he can uh, shove another cheesesteak down his gullet. I don't really care who wins the game because now the team's going to the Super Bowl. That's two shots uh, that you're taking at my Niners. Listen, it's game by game. They're going to line it up on 730 on Saturday night. We'll see what happens. You're, you're going to break by Thursday. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Wes you know? showed me the number two. I thought he had two points to make, but no, he's <laughs> counting down. Yeah. This is somebody that absolutely will hold that grudge against you, and he's yes. going to remember. And once San Francisco continues their march to a possible Super Bowl appearance, he's going to let it all hang out. Go, yeah, Pat, go. Oh, baby. <laughs>
Stanford P has a football question for you here. Okay. What's Stanford P says, I read an article, and I can't remember who wrote it, but it said it's harder to pass rush in cold weather than it is to run stop in cold weather. Is that true, Wes? Now, you haven't played in a lot of cold weather games, right? I've not. Not in the type of stuff we're talking about here. Does that make sense to you? Well, you know what? I, I saw that clip that went around with Belichick and Brady. Uh, I think that's what he's referring to. Uh, they were talking about how Brady and Belichick were talking to each other, and they both agreed that pass rushing uh, on ice is going to be extremely difficult, and that's why Brady would always thrive in it. And that was something I'd never really thought about before. But, yeah, I mean, it is hard, I would imagine, for guys on unstable playing surfaces to really be able to pass rush uh, and do the things that they need to do because it's so hard to plant and get to those secondary moves if your initial move gets shut down. So, uh, yeah, man, it is advantageous to an extent for the quarterbacks because the pass rush does have to slow down a little bit because the footing uh, isn't that great. All right. uh, I have not given my prediction. I'll go Philadelphia, and I don't feel good about it whatsoever. (laughs) Not at all. I think they're three point favorite. I I know. I still don't feel good about it. Here's my reasoning. I do think Philadelphia is going to be able to run the football as much as we like Kalijah Kansi. I just think he's terrible at stopping the run right now, and that was a risk when he was so small, but he's been terrible at stopping the run. When you have Jason Kelsey up the middle, I think that offensive line is still good. I do think Jalen Hurts is going to use his legs a lot more, and I think we can see Tampa Bay a little vulnerable to that, especially when you're talking about Sweetnesses up the middle. I, I, It makes sense to me. I look at it on paper, and it makes sense that Philadelphia is the better football team. But that hasn't been true the last five weeks. So I'm still going. I'm still running into the brick wall and not learning. I'm insane. I'm an insane person. Let's move on. We have one more hour to go. Live Wire coming up next. Wes and Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.